The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every single solitary week of the year, we're here working our fingers to the bone to make sure that you have the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Well, except for the next two weeks of the year, because... Wednesday nights, this is one of those years, and I think I, I was actually trying to figure out how often this happens, because I remember it happening once or twice before during our 20, don't want to say it, year run here, but both Christmas and New Year fall on Wednesday night. <laughs> so <clears throat> Mike said I could come in and try to do the show without an engineer or understanding how to work any of this equipment, but that he was not going to be here. So this is our last program of the decade going to be 2020 next time we all are together here on real life real estate investing so since it is the last show of the year and this is the time of year when we're all very involved in no i'm not going to say christmas cookies we're all very involved in sort of planning out our 2020 or next year i thought it would be a really good time to do a program that was less about real estate and more about how to be successful in real estate or any other business that you are involved in and in you know living your life and being a human being so to help me out with this I brought one of my very favorite visionaries back it's Sean McCluskey who started all of this years ago as a real estate investor and short sale expert and then somewhere along the line morphed into also being a best-selling author and success coach and mastermind leader and who is um i'm very excited to say about to be back on the road in a very limited way uh, to talk about his favorite topic which is how to envision a business that you can then create to meet the needs of your life instead of accidentally creating a business that eats your life alive he's joining us from his home near st louis sean welcome to real life real estate investing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good to talk to you. It is good to talk to you too. And I have got to know because a couple of years ago, yeah, you have young children and yes. you have hobbies. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, lots well, of one or two. lots of hobbies, and you you really like to travel. And also, you had sort of you had sort of changed your the education side of your business over to where you were doing more like one on one type 
coaching or small group type thing. And two years ago, you stopped getting on planes and going to RIA groups and kind of, you know, sharing the message with 200 people instead of 12 at a time. And I remember you saying something along the lines of, yeah, no, I'm just not ever doing that again. And yet, yet here we are two years later <laughs> saying, yeah, Sean's going to gonna maybe, maybe show up at your RIA group at some point in time <laughs> over the next couple of years. What is it that, what, it, what changed? Like what happened? Well, let, let me correct that just a hair because uh, I'm, I'm very cautious to use the word never. I'm pretty sure I didn't say <laughs> never. I probably said I'm not going to be doing that anytime soon. But I, never probably didn't come out of my mouth. I, I think what you, you never know what I'm going to think of next. You I know think what, I mean? what you might have said is, Novena, I will not come to your group. And, and I just <laughs> remember it as never. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably more accurate. The, the other thing I want to do slightly correct is you said one of, I have on the guest today, one of my favorite visionaries. And uh, I'm pretty sure I'm your favorite. So <laughs> let's just get that out of the way real quick. Uh, no, I have spent the last two years running uh, an organization called Leadership Boardroom, and I have uh, mastermind groups, three groups specifically, with 15 people in each group, and I have spent the last two years working very closely with each of these people. Um, these are pretty high-level business owners that uh, some of them are national speakers, some of them are national coaching uh, programs that they run. Um, most of them are somehow investors in the real estate field. <clears throat> I have a few that aren't, but uh, all of them are business owners, and they're business leaders and so I have spent a lot of time with them the last two years one-on-one -on -one and uh, trying to help them get to the next level. And so, man, it has been such a really good learning process because, you know, here I am expected to help them through all of their challenges. And, and, of course, to help them, I have to learn and grow along the way. So, so yeah, I want to share with you guys what I have learned from some of these um, business owners uh, around the country. We've got, you know, everybody does at least six figures a year. Uh, many of them do seven, and, and then I have some eight-figure earners as well. And so that's what we're here to share. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna call the last two years hands-on research. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> for for cuddle up <laughs> for for the next stage. And I and I do want to uh, you know before before what I just said generates nine hundred calls to your office from RIA groups going, oh co Sean, come talk here. I I will say you got a pretty limited schedule at this point. I, I think, I think yeah. this isn't you, you know, getting on the road 300 days a year with a six year old at home wondering where dad yeah. is. Yeah. I've got three kids at home, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going crazy with this, right? I am really passionate and excited to share it. And so I decided to, to uh, book a few areas around the country. So I'm coming to speak in Ohio there in that, uh, I'm sorry, in Cincinnati and Columbus. And then I'm also doing Nashville pretty soon. And it's kind of funny, as soon as people found out I was doing this, they're like, we need to, we need you up in this state, in this state. I'm like, whoa, whoa pump the brakes for a second. I want to share this. I'm not going to go crazy with it. This is not a full-blown business uh, for me to come share this. It's not like a whole seminar company. But I do want to share this because I, I have gotten the pleasure of taking all of my members in my own mastermind and coaching group through this process over the last couple of years. And not only have I learned so much, but in taking them through and seeing what I've experienced with these people, it's really impacted some people in a big way. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm coming out to share it and I'm really excited about it. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it might help um, folks to understand what, what it is we're going to discuss for most of this uh, call, which is the pro process of kind of business visioning. I don't, I don't, I haven't come up with a good term for it yet. <laughs> Envisioning well, a business. I don't know. Um, because, because, it sounds a little woo-woo if you just yep. if you just say it that way. People are going, "Oh my gosh, is this that 
is this that I'm, I think about it every day and manifest it into my life thing? And it's not, it's totally not, it's totally not. No, there is definitely strategy involved and it, it is, we're not going to sit around candles and sing kumbaya. So <laughs> if that's what you're looking for, that's great. But no, we're going to talk real strategy. There's a specific step, uh, a certain step process. We're going to take you through four steps and uh, we'll take you through the whole process. And if you do this process, which it's a simple process, but it, it's not easy to do. Not everybody pulls it off because they overcomplicate it. And I'll talk about that a little bit today. But, you know, most business owners, to give you an idea, most business owners, um, well, I think they're taught two things today. I think they're taught, number one, that there's this popular opinion right now among lots of gurus and lots of people writing books that in order to get ahead, you have to work your face off. Matter of fact, that's one guy's slogan. Just work your face off. Everything will work. Yeah, it's called crushing it. Crushing it. I hate that term. I'm crushing it. Well, you know, and that's fine. If that's what you want to do in life and you want to work 80 or 90 hours a week, that's completely fine. I don't want to do that. I love what I do. Actually, today I love more than I, more than ever what I do to the point where, you know, when Monday comes, I always tell people, Monday shouldn't suck. You know, when Monday comes, you should be excited about it. I'm also excited for the weekend. And I'm also excited for those trips and the fun things that I get to do now as well. But I'm really, really excited to run my business and who I get to work with. And all of that has a strategy and a process to it. I've eliminated the things that I don't enjoy doing anymore. I've either eliminated them or outsourced them. <laughs> and today, about 95% of the time that I am working, I really love it. So I love to work. And there's nothing wrong with working hard while you're working. But I don't want to subscribe to the idea that you have to work 80 or 90 hours a week. I think it's bogus. And I, the second thing I think most people are doing today, especially business owners, is they're making their decisions. Everybody makes decisions with a filtration process, I call it. And most people's filter in business is, is this thing going to make me money or not? And if the answer is yes, it's going to make me money, then they tend to pursue it. And you know, you get an entrepreneur who also has a creative mind. They tend to pursue 50 things at once that might make them money. And it either does work and they end up making money but end up unfulfilled uh, because they have so much going on. Or more often than not, they're trying to pursue so many things at once that none of them end up making the money that they want to make. So we start, as fluffy as this sounds, we start everybody. Don't make decisions just based on finances. That is really an important part of business. And it is a filter that we need to add into some of your decision making. It's clearly important. Businesses should make a profit. Otherwise, it's a charity. But it should never be your first line of defense. And I did this for years, so I know firsthand I would I would go after deals that didn't necessarily fit the criteria of what I wanted to work on or what my skill set said I should work on. But, man, it's going to make money, so I'm going to go after it. And I mean, here, here's a perfect example. So, you know, a lot of my friends are really good rehabbers. I never wanted to be a rehabber. But I felt like I needed to because why would I rehab a, a property or why would I not rehab a property, you know, spend two, three months, put 30, 40 grand into it because I can make 60 grand instead of wholesaling it right now where I could make maybe 20 or 25 or whatever that number is. And I would think I, I have to rehab it because I'm leaving all this money on the table. Well, I'm not a very good rehabber. I'm just not. I'm, I'm too nice. <laughs> I like contractors walk all over me. And uh, I do things that you're not supposed to do because I'm too nice to these guys and gals. So I would end up rehabbing the property instead of spending three months on a rehab. It would take me four and a half or five months. And instead of it costing, you know, 30 grand to rehab it, it would cost me 50. And so I ended up making the same, if not less, on the rehab than I would have made had I just wholesaled it in the first place. 
But if I'm basing my decisions off of what I think I can make the most money with and not where my skill sets are and what I really want to do and what gets me juiced, that happens all the time. And so this is one of the challenges that I have with, you know, there's so many teachers out there that say, this is the process. This is the way. And that is a way. That's a process. And it's a process that many people, you know, that process may work for. But your, your personality is different than the person sitting next to you. And so you really need to design your business in a way that fits for you, in a way that you're going to get excited about every single day, in a way that honors your skill sets. And when you do a lot of these things together, creating vision, as corny as that sounds, when you do a lot of these things together, you will make more money than you thought you would. That's just how it works. Now, it's also got to be in alignment with what the world needs. So, you know, you can't just say, this is also something that drives me nuts. You can't just say, oh, I'm just passionate about this thing. Well, just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you don't suck at it, right? I mean, look at American Idol. <laughs> Every year, you know, you got people who are passionate about singing, and yet they, they shouldn't be singing, right? So just because they're passionate doesn't mean you got to be passionate. It's got to line up with your skill sets. Uh, it's got to be something that you enjoy doing. When you combine all these things, you have vision. And, and something so, that the world actually that, wants to pay for. That that was the end. Yeah, of, that yeah. was the end of my professional cupcake eating career. Was when I discovered there <laughs> they wouldn't actually pay me to do that. Uh, Sean, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss the the vision process and why it is actually important with actual real examples of people who made more money because they bothered to step back and figure out what they wanted first. We're also going to take listener calls at 877-772-9658. I've got to say that all over again. Man. Woo. Yeah. Eight. That's what, that's what, that's what's great about actual podcasts as opposed to radio shows that then just get put up as podcasts is you can, you never sound like an idiot like that. 877-772-9658 is the number to call, 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Sean McCluskey, and we are providing you with the added benefit in addition to telling you why you need to spend the next 10 days or so doing some planning that you hadn't maybe planned to do we're also doing all of our outtakes live the blooper reels here on real life real estate you don't have to you don't have to stay after the show to hear them you can just hear them as we go along so sean um yes the (laughs) it might be (laughs) it might be there's the only thing better than making a mistake is in pointing out your mistake repeatedly for like minutes (laughs) on end on live radio um, the uh, <laughs> the um, it it might be helpful to for for folks to understand that the people that you coach you said you know they're high level real estate investors and some of them are instructors and some of them have mentoring programs and they're all in re- they're all, all a lot of them are both in real estate and in education in some way. Yes. Um, they did not become super successful because of your program they came to your program because they were already super successful and something else was going on (laughs) and and uh, i think it might be helpful for folks to understand what that other thing that was going on 
was that that made them sit up one day and go, you know, I, I maybe I maybe need to do this now. Yeah. So, okay, let me give you an example. So I, I met with a woman yesterday. I won't say her name here. If, if I said her name, most of your listeners, I think, um, would probably know who she is. But she's a great lady. I love this woman to death. And she flew out to St. Louis to spend the day with me yesterday because her challenge is not that her business isn't successful. Um, but she did make decisions in her business very much how I described before. It's like money was the first filter and indicator whether she should move forward with something. So here she is. She's been in business for a, a long time. She has five businesses. And, man, holy cow, five businesses are – all five of them are doing really, really well. Well, there's a fifth one that's just doing okay. But four of the five are really doing well. She's worked hard to build these up over uh, – she lost a lot during the crash in 2007 and 2008, and then she rebuilt it all, and now she's killing it. And she's making more money than she ever thought she would, um, so much so she's like, I, I'm a great problem to have. I don't even know that I could spend this much. Um, and for a long time, she loved what she did, but now she's questioning her life. And she's going, I've got everything that I ever wanted. I don't have to work anymore. I've got a staff in place. This is everything that I designed my businesses to be. And I don't know what's going on with me. I'm not fulfilled and I was like, wow, okay. And of course, this isn't the first time I've heard this from people in her position. And I said, why do you think that is? And she says, I don't know. I, the only thing I can think of is I've got my businesses to a point where I don't have to be there anymore, which is exactly what I designed them to do. And now I have some free time. And now that I have some free time, I really, I, not only do I not know what to do with that free time, but I, I have just enough time to say, is this what I really wanted? Like, why did I do all of this in the first place? I had this great goal. I've been playing this wonderful game. I have won the game now. Is this it? And so she's in a position where she's feeling unfulfilled. She said, I'm feeling uneasy all the time uh, because I don't really know what my life is about. And I would argue, um, our conversation yesterday was fantastic. I would argue that the whole reason she's done this and that she feels this way is because her businesses were built with finances in mind, which is great. And they kept her really, really busy for a long time. She's used to working 80 hours a week for years. She's done this her whole life. And so now that she's got a little bit of opening, she doesn't understand why she did all that. Now, granted, it served all the reasons that she thought she was building it for in the first place. But then she arrives and she goes, well, wait a second. You know, why aren't I fulfilled still? And I would argue because she built her businesses with profits in mind, which is great. But that was the first filter when her vision should have been the first filter. I said, you know, why, why did you build all that in the first place? And she didn't know. She really didn't know the answer. Mm -hmm. And so you may hear that and think, well, great problem for uh, Miss Rich Lady to have, you know, but I'm trying to pay my bills. It's all the same anyway. And if you design your business when you start out this way, you don't have to make corrections later on down the road. So I, I just tell people, like, start out with your business vision in mind first. And, you, and your vision is as simple as you dreaming for a little bit, which is easy for some people. It's harder for some people. But dreaming, what is it that you want your business to provide for you? So, for example, you know, last year I took about four months off of vacation, four months throughout the year, if you add up all the days that I took off, one of which was a four-and-a-half-week trip that my family and I took. We, we bought this big motor coach, and we went to Yellowstone, and we went to Glacier National Park, and we did all this stuff. And I told you before, I love, love, love working, but I also really loved these trips. And it's interesting because this has been so apparent to me the last couple of years where I uh, I rebuilt a lot of my business about two years ago, and this time around I really built it with my own vision, my business vision in mind. I could never have taken trips like this three, four, five, six years ago, but this time I built it with those trips in mind. And so 
you better believe when I went on a trip this time, you know, normally I would go on a trip before and if I left for a week, um, I would be stressed out the whole time I was gone because the, the work is piling up. I'm not making any money while I'm gone. And then I'm going to get back. I'm going to have 4,000 more things on my to-do list. But I designed my business different this time. And so this time when I left for the month, I got two phone calls for business the entire time I was gone. I got to be present, enjoy time with my family as much as I love. Matter of fact, I missed work while I was gone because I was gone a month. But I got to enjoy that. I got to be present with the family. And when I came back, the business was still making just as much as before I left. And I also didn't have this whole huge list of to-do items that was going to completely stress me out when I got back. I finally was living this business piece of my vision. And you can do that, but you got to design it that way from, from the start. And each of the people who have uh, joined these different groups, they, they, all have, they all have a different story. But the story is always something along the lines of, I am successful by every measure that I was told I should be successful by. I do, I do the most deals, I make the most money, I have the most equity, I have the most students, I have the most speaking engagement, you know, whatever that is. And I still somehow feel out of control, like like my business is out of my control, like I'm, all I'm doing is putting out fires, and or I feel like I'm failing all the time. And I'm and, yep. and I'm not I'm not giving anything away by saying this because several of those folks have been on this show, and said that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, here Ron Ron Phillips is a great example, and I know Ron is going to come out and, and uh, help do one of the Saturday workshops in I believe Cincinnati or do yep. I have that back? Cincinnati. Yep. Yeah, Cincinnati. So when I come out and share, I'm going to share during the RIA meeting, and then Ron Phillips, um, who is in my group number one, is going to come out and share at a Saturday workshop. And Ron, to give you an idea, flipped 800 houses last year, 800. And yet one of the reasons that he came to me was because, hey, man, my business is where it's supposed to go. My staff is the one who flipped 800 houses. I got it where it needs to be. Why aren't I fulfilled? I hit every milestone I'm supposed to hit. What's going on? And when he came to me, he was borderline depressed, which is not Ron. If you know Ron at all, the dude doesn't get depressed. Like he's a he's a fighter. He's a go-getter. He's a great guy to be around. Brilliant business guy. And yet how in the world does he reach the pinnacle of all of his goals? And I will tell you, it's because goals are not an answer. So when you when you design your day, most people design their day with one of two things. They either make goals and they work towards the goal or they create action items. And usually action items are based on what the biggest fire is they have to put out right now. If people are more proactive, then they tend to make goals instead of just putting fires out all the time. Then they work towards their goals. But there's a bigger umbrella around all of that. That's the vision. You can't create your action items effectively if you don't know what your goals are. And you can't create your goals effectively if you don't know what your vision is for the business overall. So as, as corny as that word sounds, it is the pinnacle of every decision that you must make should get you closer to the vision. And that's both in business and personal. I just happen to be teaching business this time around. Mm -hmm. Now, let's, um, so I, so we, we both just gave examples of people who, as you mentioned, there might be listeners going, oh, gee, I really hope yeah. that someday yeah. I'm rich and unfulfilled instead of poor and unfulfilled. <laughs> One of those Which is, is, is probably better than the other. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's true. But but that's not you know that that that's really not who you're that's really not who you're talking to and aiming your message at when you when you come to like a real estate association type situation. Yeah. It's to the to the folks 
who haven't built it wrong in the first place yet. Yep. And every because I, I don't want I don't want listeners to be going well yeah when I am a zillionaire who is crying in my yep, yep. twelve dollar latte every morning because <laughs> I I'm so right. unfulfilled by all of my money and things then I will come and find out how to have a, vis- a business vision. But I can tell you, every single one of these people, if they were sitting here in the studio with me, if you said, "What, what did you do wrong?" Like, like what, what would you, what would you change if you could go back to the beginning? They would say, "I should have started with the vision. I shouldn't have gotten to the point where, in order to now make my business match my vision, I had to take the business apart and put it back together again." They all wish. Yeah that they had heard this first and then heard about real estate. <laughs> and then Which, by the way, is really hard to do. It's real, Once you've gotten to that point, it's really hard to take it all apart and put it back together. So in my short sale business, just to give you an idea, when I started out, I got into that business uh, back in 2003 because I loved people and I loved being around them and I loved helping them through <sighs> tough stuff. And so when I started that business, you know, I, I started going on the appointments and I really liked that. I would spend time with the homeowners and I would help them through their challenging situation. And then, you know, the paperwork I can care less about, which is, you know, a short sale business, obviously the wrong business to get in if you hate paperwork. <laughs> but I did like hanging out with people. And so I would go help them out of their situation. Then I, and then I started learning from these other gurus. And they're like, no, you don't need to be uh, back at, at going on the appointments. You don't need to do this. You need to hire that out. If you're ever going to have a business that's, uh, you know, they would use words like scalable and stuff like that. All that sounded great. Uh, and I said, okay, I'm going to follow you guys' rules. I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. So I go out, I follow all of it. Next thing you know, I've got somebody doing the marketing. Somebody's going on the appointments. Somebody's negotiating the deals for me. Somebody's setting up everything uh, to, to make sure we go to closing. Somebody's going to closing. Somebody, and guess what I'm back at the office doing? I'm following the rules that this other guy said that I should be doing. And I built my business in a way that fit his vision. Because the last role left was to be back at the office babysitting everyone and doing paperwork. Mm-hmm. And so I wake up one day, I hate my role. And, you know, here we are. I'm flipping, at that point, I was flipping 70 or 80 houses a year. And I don't know how to fix this, but I wake up every single day, I hate it. It's because I hated my role specific to my business. So, you know, this is really, I mean, real estate investors, you need to know this. And by the way, if my role is paperwork and I hate it, and I'm probably going to suck at it. And so what would take me five, six, seven hours to do, somebody like a, a talented bookkeeper or somebody who's good at paperwork, and there are crazy people who like paperwork, believe it or not. <laughs> I would have these crazy people come in who are really good at this because they like it. They would finish what took me five, six, seven hours, and they'd finish it in an hour. And I'm like, wait a second. Not only, not only do I hate this, I'm not the right guy for this job anyway. I should have been going on the appointments with the homeowner. That's the piece that I enjoy doing, and that's the piece I should have continued doing. Whether it was scalable or not, I would have really enjoyed my business at that point had I not listened to somebody else's vision, but I didn't. I followed their vision for their business, and while that might work for them, they might like paperwork. They might like sitting back at the office. I had 16 employees at one point, and I was babysitting all of them. And it's like, that was never what I was designed for. And so my vision is going to be different than yours. It's going to be different than everybody listening to this call. So you have to design, your your business needs to be a custom designed business for you. And you can learn from other people, but don't just take their vision and roll with it. You got to make it your own too. So let's bring this down to the, to the level of 
the person who did not figure out over the course of 10 years that they had somehow worked themselves into the wrong position in a very successful business yep. and say, I'm a, I'm a new investor. Like, I, okay. I, I kind of know what I want to do. Maybe I've picked a strategy. I've, I've gone down the road of learning how to do that and maybe made some forays into doing it. And maybe I've even done a few deals. Why at this point do I need a vision? I mean, that just seems like yep. I, I could either sit down and write a vision or I could go talk to some sellers. And one of those two things seems like it's going to have more direct results to me. That's a great idea. What if you hate talking to sellers? What if you're not that person? But and, and by the way, I talk to newbies all the time who say stuff like this. They're like, I'm not the per. I, I, I feel so uncomfortable, you know, door knocking or talking to sellers or taking seller calls. And I say, why do you feel uncomfortable? And they go, I, I don't know. I just don't I don't want to do that. That's not my skill set. I just don't feel like. But everybody tells me I have to do that. Go knock on more doors and go answer more phone calls. And it's like, no, you just haven't been taught how to run a business without you having to do that one task. Which piece do you enjoy doing? Because every business, I don't care what business you're in, every business has some role within the company that you don't like, every single one of them. The problem is when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business by yourself, it's you, and that's it. So you're the janitor, you're the guy answering phone calls or the girl answering phone calls, you're the marketing person, you're the closer, you're the salesperson, you're, you're the paperwork person, you're all of those things at once. And it might not make sense to be all of those things. Matter of fact, I've helped people partner together where I found one person who absolutely loves people, loves to be around them, um, and loves to uh, you know sell, loves to make offers and things like that. And the other person doesn't like that at all. They like organization and they like um, you know structure and all those things that a salesperson typically doesn't like. And although I didn't re I didn't recommend that they partner an entire business together because they. You know, partnering a business is a whole nother topic we could talk about. But uh, even though I didn't recommend them partnering a business together, I said, you guys could joint venture on some deals together where perhaps, you know, the one person does the marketing and the upfront phone calls, and then they hand it off to the other person to get all the paperwork done and the closings and, you know, all the management of some of the processes done. And they've done that, and they are at least twice as successful as they would have been had they tried to do this on their own. And so this is really important to start with this because it helps you determine what roles do I want to take? What roles do I want not want to take? Which type of deals do I want to do and which ones do I not want to do? And some of this is kind of hard to figure out in the beginning in terms of what deals do I want to do because you don't know what you don't know. So I get that. But at the very least, you could get an idea of what a business in this realm may look like. And you say, is that for me or is it not? This thing over here sounds more attractive to me than this thing. This piece or this role within that one uh, strategy sounds more attractive to me. So you should be doing that, but you shouldn't be doing all those things that you hate. You're not going to be good at them anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We need to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk more directly about what this process might look like for you listeners over the course of the next 10 days. It's when I, and I, I, I cannot recommend strongly enough that you, that you engage in. And we'll, we will also take your uh, calls at 877-772-9658 or your emails at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Sean McCluskey, and we're talking about a to-do on your to-do list over the next, uh, let's see, how many days we have left? 13 days of 
2019 uh, that will make a humongous difference in your 2020 if you will bother to do it. And that is decide what you want your life to look like before you decide what you're going to do in your business. Is that a good summary, Sean, of what it is I they're supposed so. to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we've never actually come out, come right out and said what this vision thing is, and and uh, I, I can I can see people going, yeah. So so I I have I have this vision, and then I write it down, and then I read it every day, <laughs> and then it just comes true. And poof, the magic <laughs> dragon comes out and answers all my wishes. No, there's some strategy behind it. Can I talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Let's do that. Okay. So the first step to this is it's called Dare to Dream. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but you got to just, for just a minute, forget about how to do everything. Forget about how you're going to pull it off. You just got to dream. What would you do if you could do anything? And some of you may say a certain aspect of real estate. Some of you may say something totally different. Those are the ones that scare me the most that, you know, that are 50 grand deep in education and they go, I don't even want to do this. I just thought I was going to make a lot of money. Um, <clears throat> but you got to dare to dream a little bit. What, if you could do anything, what would you do? We dream just a little bit. We take all of our filters off. And so then I start writing that down and it's corny. And we're going to do some of this when I, when I come in town, I'm going to have to have people do this right here in the room. Um, but let me give an example of this. So I do this at the end of every single year. I'm doing it right now myself. I've been working on this the last two, three weeks myself. And I have an opportunity in front of me right now to start a secondary business that has a lot of legs on it. It's got a lot of opportunity. Um, there's people that are interested in doing it with me. And so the topic came up of, first of all, what would that look like if I could have it look any way I wanted it to? Um, would I replace what I'm doing in leadership boardroom? Would I add to it? Would completely separate? Would I have partners? Would I not have partners? And I had to sit down and do this process too, where I was like, okay, if I were going to do this, and if it could look any way I wanted it to look, what would it look like? And I could just start asking my, myself questions, like how much time would I spend in this? What would I do in this business? What would my involvement be? What, what pieces of it would totally juice me, and what part of it uh, am I scared about, or do I not want to do? And so let me give an example. So one of the questions that came up, I have a couple of people that are interested in partnering this business with me, and it's, it's got really big potential. So it's not something that I feel like I could even do by myself. And one of the people that came to me uh, suggesting we partner together is highly qualified. And so I did what most people do in the beginning. I did what most people do when they're hiring somebody. They say, oh, man, my cousin Jethro needs a job, and you know he's out of work right now, so let me find a role for him. And that's what I started to do until I remembered my own process. I was like, forget about this dude for a second who wants to partner. If I were to have a partner, what would that look like? Who would I look for? Who would be the ideal person that I would partner with? And I, I literally wrote down pages of all the characteristics that would, would person would have, which, by the way, everything I wrote down probably doesn't even exist. It's probably not realistic to say, you know, I would have a guy that wants to work on the cheap and let me have all the money and, you know, wants to do it out of the goodness of his heart and has blonde hair and blue eyes and all the things that you may write down. You, you may write down stuff like that guy doesn't exist or that girl doesn't exist. But that's step one. You have to get it all out of your head. And then step two for dreaming and daring to dream, then you go back and you circle anything that you wrote that is an absolute non-negotiable. So these were things like, for me, it was like they bring more to the table in the areas that I'm not good at than I do. So I don't want somebody that just has all my skill sets. So I, I thought, is that a non-negotiable? I said, yes. So I circled that one. 
<laughs> and then I wrote, you know, it would be great if they were in this space already. And I said, is that a non-negotiable? And I thought, well, no, if they bring enough to the table, they don't have to be in this space. They could probably bring a lot to the table, even though they're not. Matter of fact, they could probably bring more to the table because they're not in this particular space already. So I didn't circle that one. And then, you know, after doing this part of the process, now instead of just, you know, hiring cousin Jethro because he needs a job or hiring this particular person because they want to partner with me, now I can take a look at my vision. I can say, now I start to filter this person with my vision. I can say, is this the right partner for me? And I was confused whether or not they were. I was kept going back and forth until I did this process because this person brings so much value to the table. They have gone further than I have in business. Um, they, they are good at different things than I'm good at. And so I was really leaning towards going forward with it, but I, I still had this uneasy feeling. And when I did this exercise, it's like, Sean, go through your own stinking process here. When I finally did it, it was like, it was clear as day. This is not the partner for me because there was one thing that I wrote down that ended up being a non-negotiable. And that is if I had a partner in this business, they would live in my hometown so that when we want to brainstorm stuff. We just go to breakfast or lunch or they're in my office or whatever. We just sit down and meet. And this person, as talented and as gifted as they are and how, as perfect as they were in every other way, did not live in St. Louis with me. And so had I gone forward with this, I can already tell you what would have happened. I would have gone forward with it. It would have been a great relationship in the beginning. And then over time, I would have been really irritated with the fact that every time we needed to get together to just planning and strategy and all that stuff, either he would have had to fly to me or I would have had to fly to him. I'm not the, the electronics guy that can have too many um, like Zoom calls and video conference calls and things like that. I need to meet people face to face. And so that one thing helped me make the decision as to whether or not I should move forward with the partnership. And guess what? When I did it, not only was I crystal clear in what the answer was, I was 100% confident in my phone call with this person. I said, here's why we're not going to be partners. It's got nothing to do with you personally, but here's what my vision is. And with all due respect, you don't fit. And you know what he said? He said, man, I honor what you did. That was an awesome process because you are a thousand percent convicted in your decision. And I said, yes, I am. And the whole reason I am is because I have a vision to go back on. Mm -hmm. So basically creating this this vision that is, is bigger than it's bigger than the goals it's bigger than what you've already written down most of you or planned to write down on you know december 31st which is i want to do 16 deals this year and i want to generate two hundred thousand. that's the goal right but yes that's but, correct but but what doing the vision is is starting with the criteria for how you make the decisions, because if you if you say yes. if you say, look, I'm going to I'm going to make two hundred thousand dollars this year. Well, absent any criteria, the easy way to do that's go rob a bank. <laughs> right. Why am I going to bother <laughs> to do 16 deals? I'm sure my local bank has two hundred thousand dollars in it. Well, you know what? And you're giving an extreme example, but it's actually an accurate example. People compromise what they want to be doing and what they should be doing all the time because they feel like it's what they have to be doing. And so you get somebody desperate. I mean, why do people rob banks in the first place? Because you get somebody who's desperate enough, they need money, and they go, I got to have it somehow, so I'll do it this way. And that's what happens even with real estate investors. They go, I don't want to do a rehab. I'm not, I don't know anything about that. Um, that's not in my area of expertise, but I got to do it because I, I need the money, and I sure would rather make 40 than wholesale it and make a quick 15 or 20 or whatever that number is. And um, 
man, it, it, if that's not your area of expertise, if that's not where you want to grow and where you want to get really good at, it is not easy to manage contractors. I'm not saying you can't do it. There's certain people that have the skill set and are willing to learn it. I wasn't that guy. And so for me to do a rehab, it, it, I should have never done rehabs. I lost money on rehabs. I never lost money on a wholesale deal. Mm-hmm. And I have friends of mine that made, they never made money on a wholesale deal. They always made money on rehab. So they were in the right lane, but you know, pick your lane and then, and then stick to it long enough to make sure that it works and it will work. It will work as long as it's lined up with your skill set, what the world needs and everything else we talked about. One of the, one of the best things that ever happened to me early on in my real estate career was that I talked to a guy who had been, you know, I've been, I've been doing it for maybe five years and he'd been doing it maybe 35 years. And uh, I was, I was going down that same track of, well, you know, these, these rentals are great, but what I really need right now is a bunch of cash. And I, you know, I, I like to wholesale, but I, I, I need to get into rent retail deals because they are, you know, incredibly profitable compared to wholesale deals. My buyers are making, you know, five times the money on yep. their, on the rehab that I'm making on the wholesale. And he said, you don't seem like you enjoy being super detail oriented. Is that right? <laughs> you seem to, you seem, <laughs> you seem, you seem like somebody who likes, you know, big picture, new stuff, move on. Don't, don't get into the weeds about stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And he said, then you're going to hate retailing because you have to, you know, everything you have to, everything you do there once you've bought the property is very detail oriented stuff. And I said, it doesn't matter. I'll make myself do it. And he said, yeah. he said, you know what? You have permission to not do something just because it's going to make you a lot of money. Mm. That's true. And, <laughs> and what's, what's really true about that is when you think it's going to make you lots of money, but when you hone in and, and get focused on the one thing that will make you lots of money, that thing will. You can figure out how to make that thing work that you actually enjoy doing it it can make a lot of money but you know the more you, the more something doesn't fit into your skill set you're not going to make money at it anyway not like the guy who is super detailed or the gal who is super detail oriented you know my i have a cousin of mine right now he is the general contractor that is building the entire stadium that's being built in las vegas right now and i went out and looked at his work uh, earlier this year and I mean, when it's a stadium, I mean, I pulled up to this thing. There's, you know, 500 guys in hard hats working and he's in charge of the whole project. And I go, I was instantly overwhelmed. I'm like, this is insane. How do you even do this? And he was like, oh, I love it, man. I, this is like, I eat this up. <laughs> he's in the right role. There's no way I could do something like that. I don't care how hard I try. I don't care how much schooling I've gone to. I'm never going to be him in that regard. So why don't I just be me and get good at what I want to get good at and what does provide value to other people and what the world needs? And if I do that, why don't I then learn how to make money with that? I may not know how to do that right now, but there is a way to make money. For example, I didn't know how to get national speakers and people who run big coaching programs um, and the people that I coach, the high-level people, I didn't know how to get them into a mastermind group. But yet today I have three groups of 15 people that pay $1,000 every single month and ten grand to get in the program, and they pay that every single month. That started with the vision. I didn't know how I was going to pull it off yet, but that started with the vision. This is ultimately – I came up with a vision. Who would I want to have in my groups? 
what would I want to help them with if I could help them with anything? And I came out with this outlandish stuff that nobody else was doing, by the way. And when I wrote it all down, I was like, this is never going to work. You know, my inner engineer is going, this ain't going to happen. This is never going to work. But you know what? I wrote it down. I was like, there's got to be a way to figure out how to make this work. And I, I sought wise counsel. I sought other people out. I had conversations. I came up with a game plan. And here we are. I have a very profitable business, and I love it. And you know what? It's not scalable. And I don't care. <laughs> because when you love what you do every minute of the day, it doesn't matter as much if it's scalable. Of course, unless that is your vision. So don't let my vision interfere with yours. But I don't care that it's not scalable. I have 45 people that I coach, and to some degree, I'm at capacity. I, I don't care. It's fine with me because I love it. It's profitable. I get to hang out with my friends. I get to help them through their stuff, which, by the way, that was one of the criteria of people that I would love to have in my group. I, I said, who would I love to have in? Who would I not want to have in? I said, man, I would want to have people in that I care about them so much that I consider them friends. Like I would hang out with them even if they weren't paying me money. That's who I want in the group. And that's really hard when somebody applies for the group and they're very skillful. They can bring a lot to the group, but I don't particularly gel with them real well. But they're ready to hand me ten thousand bucks and a thousand dollars a month. That's you know, obviously twenty four thousand or twenty three thousand, whatever the number is. In the first year, they're willing to hand me just to come to the mastermind meetings and have me coach them. And my the the money side of me, the business side of me goes, Oh, just take them. It'll be fine. That's a lot of money. Don't say no to them. And I'm telling you this, if I would have said yes to any of those, I would hate my coaching business today. I would hate it. But I don't hate it. I love it. And it's largely because of the vision of who I put in it. Mm -hmm. So, Sean, we are literally down to the last 60 seconds of the show at this point. W message here has been before you sit down and write down the goals about I'm going to make this much money next year. I'm going to do this many deals next year. Start with criteria. Don't, don't start with a goal. Start with my life needs to look like this. I need to not work more than this many hours a day. I need to have this much time with my kids. I need to have this much time for vacation. I need to not have to do this set of things because I will kill myself if I have to do this set of things. <laughs> I, I need to, I need, you know, if it's, if it's, I need to not ever have to tell a seller that I will pay less for their house than they want for it. That, that's a, that's a fine criteria to write down because it helps guide you to the right thing. So yeah. that you build the right thing in the right business. And then I'm just going to have to say to folks, if you're in the greater Cincinnati or Columbus area, you can come see Sean. Uh, talk about this at length on uh, January 2nd here in Cincinnati. That's CincinnatiRia.com. On January the 7th in Columbus, that's CentralOhioRia.com. And uh, later on in the year at uh, Real Estate Investors of Nashville which I believe is R-E-I-N-T-N dot com. Uh, so, Sean, I appreciate you coming and helping with this last show of the year. I'm really looking forward to seeing you here in uh, in town and uh, hearing all the great feedback from around the country for your, for your uh, presentations over the next year. And um, appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. I'm, I'm really excited to come. So I'm looking forward to meeting everybody and... Uh, have a great Christmas, everybody. Try to take some time off. Maybe start even some of this process. Even though you don't know how to do it yet, you can start a little bit right now. And I'll see you in a couple weeks. All right. Listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back in three weeks <laughs> in 2020 with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.